Fantastic. Well, give, tell somebody beside you they're looking good as you grab a seat this morning. And uh, we thank our band as well. I think they're a great job leading praise and worship. And um, man, I was thinking I, I might record the introductions that Pastor David gives me and just play them every time I feel down because it made me feel amazing. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant to be here this morning in this great church and to see all your amazing people and to hear what God is doing up here in the Hawke's Bay. Uh, been too long since I've been up here, but I just know God is doing amazing things up here. Um, I just want to take a moment before I do, and Pastor David said that I could, so um, I just want to talk a little bit about Arise Conference because uh, he was just talking about what we do uh, through New Zealand in looking to build the church. And we have a heart. Um, in Arise, we believe that God has put his hand on the church to be the catalyst of change. We believe the church is the answer. The church is the hope of the world. And so when we started our conference, we really felt like we wanted to do in some way uh, to have our conference as a blessing for the church of New Zealand. So from the day that we began the conference, we've never charged senior pastors to come to the conference. We've always looked after them because we want to create an environment where they can be fed and encouraged as well. And we also want to just champion the local church across New Zealand. So this year, for the first time ever, we're launching Arise Conference. It's always been in Wellington. We're in the TSB Arena, downtown Wellington. Uh, we're now overflowing out of there. And so we're launching, for the first time ever, into the greatest city in New Zealand, Christchurch. Um, I may be biased, but... Um, and, uh, and we're going to be starting in Christchurch this year. And we've got a little video that I'd love to show you. Arise Conference. And Wellington's obviously the easiest to get to from here. Going to start, it's going to be from July the 18th to the 20th. Uh, the few days before that, the 16th to the 18th in Christchurch. And uh, we've got some of the greatest speakers in the world coming to speak. So have a quick look at this video. And then we're going to come around the Word of God. Thank you. There is a fight to fight. A race to run. A faith to keep. And the weapons we fight with are not of this world. They burn deep within us, stir us onward, move us forward. In a time when everyone is fighting for something, we fight the fight that defines everything. So if God is for us, what can stand against us? No worldly weapon, no obstacle. We are in. The good fight. There you are, and uh, it, does, it does cover the whole family. We have Glow Kids Conference uh, for children. We have the Get Smart Conference for teenagers and uh, the Main Arise Conference for everybody else. How many wish you could still go to the young one, eh? But uh, you get old, that's life, so uh, we have to get over that. But it is great to be here. Hey, how many love your pastors, Pastors David and Kate? Well, there's about four people love them. How many love, the, how many love your pastors? Aren't they amazing? And uh, it has been a great privilege of mine and, and my wife's to be friends with these guys over so many years. Um, when we met, we were young, and now we're still friends. And um, it's just so good to be back here. I reckon it must be uh, over 20 years we've been friends. 
And we do praise God for you. Praise God for your, for your mum and dad too, Dave, who have just been such great ministers in New Zealand and made such an impact in our lives, particularly when we were young. And, and just praise God for them. Praise God for you guys. And praise God as he just continues to build the church layer upon layer and generation and generation and just continues to build her stronger and uh, have more influence in our society. If you have your Bible, we're going to be going to the book of 1 John chapter number 4. And I want to talk this morning about thinking like Jesus. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was young, we had these bracelets. Um, they, they said on them, WWJD. Anybody ever remember a WWJD bracelet? Yeah, the WWJD, it stood for what would Jesus do? Uh, we used to tease my brother and say it stands for what did John do? But it stands for what would Jesus do? And we had these bracelets and I hated them. I hated them for a reason because I had no idea what Jesus would do. I mean, I don't know about you, but I read the Bible and I'd read what Jesus did and I'd be like, I'd never think to do that. Anybody else with me? Um, you know, you see Jesus doing just the craziest things. Like he's heading off to heal somebody who's dying and somebody touches his clothes. So he's like stopping to figure out who touched him. The crowd, the Bible says, I love the King James, is thronging around him. And here's Jesus just standing there going, who touched me? Who touched me? And they're like, everybody touched you. What's wrong with you, man? Let's go and heal the kid before she dies. And he's like, no, no, we're going to wait till we figure out who heals me, who touched me, you know? And then eventually they come and say, oh, by the way, the girl died. I'm like, oh, brilliant. Well done. Brilliant work, Jesus. Now the girl's dead because you're wondering who touched you, you know? Like, what's going on here, man? Don't touch, don't touch, can't touch this. What a MC Hammer. And, and, and then, you know, but then he just goes and heals the girl. I'm thinking, what would Jesus do? I'm walking through my life. I've got absolutely no idea. And then as I began to read the scripture more and more, I began to understand that actually we are called to think like Jesus. We are called to take what the Word of God says and so have it affect the way that we think in our lives that it begins to change the way that we think and therefore the way that we act and the way that we feel and the things that we do are all going to be affected by the fact that Jesus is changing the way that we think. First John chapter 4 and verse 17 says these words, As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid in the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. I don't know about you, if you've ever thought about the fact that God wants us to be representatives of Jesus here on earth. I mean, it's not just about a bracelet that we wear that says, what would Jesus do? But God actually wants us to think, to be, and to do like Christ to live in God, to have our lives growing in love, changing the way that we think so that we are being transformed into the image of Christ. The end goal for our lives here on earth that we will live like Jesus here in this world as His representatives. We are literally, the Bible says, Christ's ambassadors. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 20. And I began to realize that it's not just about one-off scriptures here and there, but it's about a theme that comes right through the entire New Testament. I mean, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, whatever you say or do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father. We are Christ's ambassadors. And you know, I travel a lot to Wellington, and when you go in Wellington, you drive past embassies, and embassies are full of ambassadors. They are there to represent the culture and the customs of the nation from which they have been sent to New Zealand. They don't come to New Zealand 
trying to represent our culture. They don't come to New Zealand necessarily trying to represent our values. They are here to represent their country, their values, their culture, their, their way of being, to continue inside the embassy. No doubt they speak their language. Why? Because they are there as representatives of that nation. But how easy is it for us as New Zealanders to live even inside of a church world, but representing an ambassadors not of the kingdom of heaven, but of the New Zealand that we've grown up in or whatever country you happen to have come from because we live in this great melting pot, but we can reflect the culture from our family of origin rather than from our Father in heaven. And so we miss out on what God wants us to do as ambassadors representing Christ here on earth. Are you with me this morning? So we need to go on this journey so that we can become more and more understanding what Jesus wants us to be and to live. We need to have our minds transformed. And here's a key question I want to ask you this morning. If you're taking notes, write this down. Is Jesus the Lord of your mind? Is Jesus the Lord of your mind? Is He in control of your thinking and of your feeling and of your doing? Because it's so easy for us to not have that at the center of who we are. And therefore, though we come to church and though we go to life group or connect group or whatever it is we call it, whatever, a, a different religious environments that we can place ourselves in. But if it is not affecting the top six inches, then it is not affecting the way that we are living our lives. And God wants us to be ambassadors of Christ, growing and being transformed into His image. In Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2, it says, Brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then... When, when you've had your thinking transformed into God's way of thinking, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So how are we transformed? We are transformed by changing our thinking. If our thinking is changed, then everything about us will also be transformed. In fact, the Bible goes so far to say in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 7, that as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. In other words, our thinking affects everything about our lives. It affects everything about what we do, about how we are. We want to think, be, and do like Christ. And it begins at the level of our thinking. And here's the thing tonight, this morning, whatever time of day it is, I can never tell when I'm in church because there are always dark rooms and there are always lights in my eyes. But with Jesus as my Lord, I have to accept that what God says about life is correct. And that's going to be a challenge for all of us as we go through life. But when we begin to think like God thinks, then we begin to feel like God feels. And when God speaks in the Bible, He says, hey, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. They are much higher. God's saying, listen, you've got to understand something. I don't think the way that you think, and I don't do the things that you do, but you can have your thinking transformed, and therefore have your doing transformed. You can have your feeling transformed. How? By the power of the Word of God, transforming our thinking to come up to His level, and so we can represent Him in the way that we interact with people in this world. 
God wants to challenge us this morning. I want to I bring a challenge to everybody here that God wants to shift our thinking and allow the Word of God to do its work in my mind. That is its purpose to help transform the way that I think so that I can know God's will for my life and God's will for the lives of people around me to represent Him, to be His ambassador, living like Jesus in this world. So what's going to qualify or disqualify us from God's plan for our lives is actually going to come down to our thinking. And so much about what we think in the moment is going to come down to what we believe about God and ourselves. And I want to go on a journey, a little journey this morning, contrasting some people in the Old Testament with some people in the New Testament, talking about how God was able to bring certain people into fulfillment of all that He had for them, while others, because their thinking was so limited and small, were not able to achieve all that God had for them in their lives. In the, the fourth book of the Bible, in the fourth book of the Bible is the book of Numbers. And in the book of Numbers, we see the nation of Israel arrive at the edge of the promised land. Now, the clues in the title, the land was promised, right? It's why it's called the promised land. Uh, many would say it was New Zealand because it was a land flowing with milk and honey, right? It sounds like Aotearoa to me, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's a promised land. The clue is in the title. It's promised to them. God has said to them, if you just go up, I'll give it to you. All you've got to do is put your foot there. Everywhere you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. It's your land, right? So there's a promise that God has given to them. And so they come to the end of the promised land, and look what, it's, look what they say about it when they send spies in to have a look at it and figure it out. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 31, it says, The men who had gone up with Caleb said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said, The land we explored, explored devours those who are living in it. That all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim then, and the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And catch these words, so important. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we look the same to them. Remember what I said before, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We saw ourselves as being small and insignificant, so everybody else saw us as being insignificant as well. And God sent them to take the land, and He said they could have it. But their thinking about their ability caused them to miss out. Put it another way, their fear and their insecurity caused them to miss out on what God had called them to do. Listen, it was God's promise and God had told them to take it in. But they ruled out of their equation God's ability and they only factored in their own natural ability. And because they did that, it did, meant that they were unable to take the land. Listen, if it's God's promise, then it's God's problem, right? It was God who was going to deal with these giants, going to deal with all these things. But they, because they ruled God out of their lives, though they, they espoused religious phrases along the journey, what they effectively did was rule God out of their day-to-day -day life. And there are too many Christians who come to church on a Sunday and profess the name of Jesus but Monday to Friday live a life of practical atheism where they don't bring God in the middle of their business world. They don't bring God in the middle of their world or their family. They're not talking about Jesus in their high schools and universities. And so we're seeing a lack of the power of God being released in day-to-day -day situations. 
And because they thought about them in a certain way, they created the re- themselves in a certain way. They created a reality that reflected that thought, and it was the life that they lived inside of. And the truth is that is the same of us today. God wants us to think like Him. Why? So that we are able to do what He calls us to do. Here's the thing I noticed. I, I hadn't seen this for many years, but... Do you know that they sent the spies into the land and all through the narrative as it's telling the story of the nation of Israel, you would think that that was what God said to do. In fact, it literally says it in the Bible when you see Moses, uh, you know, we know Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and you see Moses, I, I love reading it because it's like in the live stream, you know, when things are happening, I mean, nowadays, I love the world we live in, right, because things will happen and you can follow it on Twitter, you can follow it live updates on stuff and hear everything that's going on. And then about two, three days later, you can go back and read the news of what really happened. And it's got nothing to do with what was happening in the live stream, like all these crazy things are coming up. And then you read it a few days later, oh, look, those two things got nothing to do with each other, right? And the Bible's got the similar thing goes on in this, in this story of what happened with the nation of Israel. In Numbers chapter 13 and verse 1, the Bible says that the Lord said to Moses, take some man and, and to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving him from, from each tribe, send one of its leaders. And it sounds all good. And you're like, oh, okay, God said that to Moses. That's what Moses did. But then when you get to the end of Moses' life, in the book of Deuteronomy, you get Moses who begins to give a, uh, a, a rendition of his life's journey. And now he's an old man about to die. He's not kind of trying to cover anything up anymore. He's going, well, I got nothing to lose. I'm about to die anyway. So, so here we go with him telling the truth. And he says, hey, then I said to you, Deuteronomy 1 verse 20, you have reached the hill country which the Lord is giving us. See, the Lord has given us the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord your God of, fa- the fa- God of your fathers has told you. Don't be afraid. Oh, I'm even cracking up up here. I must be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Then, catch this, all of you, you came to me and you said, let us send men up ahead of us to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we had to take in the towns we will come to. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected 12 of you, one from each tribe. They left and went up the hill country and, and came to the valley and they explored it and they came back and said, let's not do it. It's a bad idea. So here's the question. Whose idea was it to send the spies in? Because here's what I found is that it was not God's idea. It was everybody else's idea. And God's saying, go up and take it. And they're saying, well, let's just, let's just think about that for a moment. That was great on Sunday, preacher. But what about this morning? Now I'm at work. I've got to think about what you're saying. I, Oh, it was all good when we were praying and shabba da ding ding and all these kinds of things. I bought a Honda, but I should have bought a Yamaha. But now I'm having to face the reality of life and I'm starting to drown out the voice of God. And my thinking is no longer aligning with what the kingdom says and what the word says. But I'm now, I'm going, okay, well, that's good. God's promised it. But let's have a little look around and let's, let's think about this a bit more and let's not just rush off and do these things. And and so they began to say, well, let's do something else. Let's just, let's just test this thing out. Let's work on it. And they're using religious phraseology. And Moses even goes, yeah, it was God. God said, let's send them up. But the truth is that it wasn't about God. It was all about their own fear and their own insecurity. And the same is true for all of us as we're going through the journey of life is that God is speaking to us, but we can so easily 
be shaped by the culture of our nation and the culture of our family and the, and the way that we think and not be shaped by the culture of heaven and the, and the thoughts of God that are towards us and the plan of God that is for our lives. And so easily we can allow negativity to come in. We can allow small thinking and even we can couch it with great sounding religious phrases and make it sound so spiritual that we're not doing what God told us to do. And, and it's so easy for us and our world to allow what the world is saying to minimize us down into what God, and not actually take hold of what God is calling us to do. And that is why God wants to come in the, in the arena of our minds and of our thinking and change the way that we think so we can act like Him. We are here to be ambassadors of Christ, not representing the culture of Aotearoa, but the culture of heaven in Jesus' name. And when you look at that, you can contrast it so easily with Hebrews chapter 11 and the heroes of faith. And in Hebrews 11, verse 15, it says, If they, the heroes of faith, had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for something better, a better country, a heavenly one. God is therefore not ashamed to be called their God, and He has prepared a city for them. Now listen. When you read this in the Greek, it's not actually talking about land or countries. It's not talking about people who get homesick and wish they could go back somewhere. It is talking about thinking that aligns and agrees with the thoughts of God. It is talking about the fact that by faith, we can live possessing the promises of God in our lives. But what is going to qualify us to, to inherit what God has promised us or disqualify us from receiving it all is in our thinking. The Bible says if they had been thinking about going back, then God would have let them go back. But because they were thinking and longing for where they were going, God brought them into all that He had for their lives. They would have had the opportunity to return, but they wanted to go forward. Listen, if our thinking doesn't agree with God's thinking, we will be given the opportunity to minimize our lives, to minimize our influence, to minimize our church, to minimize our family down to the level of our thinking. But God wants us to live like Jesus, so we need to think like Jesus in our lives. So many people are doing exactly what Israel did. Back up thinking that is small, and, and back it up with a smallness and, and living lives with a smallness of action, with spiritual sounding phrases that disguise the fact that actually we didn't want to take the steps of faith that God was calling us to take. Yeah. And I'm here today, church, and I want to encourage every person here that God has great things for you on the other side of your obedience. God is calling us to take steps of faith. God is big and God is for you. It's so important that we have, the Bible says these words, if God is for me, then who can be against me? I want to suggest that the biggest word in the entire sentence is the word if. If you believe that God is for you, then who can be against you? If God is on our side, then none can stand against us. And so often we see these challenges in life and we see what God is calling us to and we doubt whether God is with us. So we take him out of the equation and you can never do what God has called you to do unless God is the one who's empowering you to do it. And so we have to come back and where our thinking begins to minimize our lives, say, no, I will not agree with the thinking of my culture. I won't allow the thoughts that the devil is trying to cause me to agree with in my life to minimize me, but I'm going to take hold of the plan and the purpose of God for my life, and I'm going to agree with what God says no matter what the situation looks like. 
And our thinking, our thinking, it all comes back to how we think about the life that God has given us. We need to be transformed and transform our lives by changing the way that we think. There's too many Christians using spiritual sounding excuses. Removing, to, to try and excuse the fact that they have removed faith from their lives. And though we live religious appearances, we don't live faith-filled existences. And we serve a God who doesn't want our Christianity to be about Sunday, but wants it to be about Monday through Saturday. And we serve a God who wants us to be the light in the darkness. We serve a God who wants to see us reach out and touch the world. We serve a God who wants to see our tears and see our joy as we respond to the things in this world according to a kingdom perspective and reflecting Jesus in this world. Because as He is, so are we in this world. We are called to live as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. He calls us to live our lives representing Him in everything that we say and everything that we do in Jesus' name. So the question we have to ask is how, and I'm glad you asked it. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, we have to accept the Word of God as being truth. I know that sounds obvious on a Sunday morning, but it's not always so obvious on a Wednesday afternoon. when We've got pressures at work and when you've got employees that are going crazy and Hey, listen, we've got employees that go crazy. It doesn't matter where you work. You're going to have employees that give you problems. As soon as you employ anybody, they're going to give you a problem. And, you know, we, we're, going to have, we're going to have challenges in our world. We're going to have stress from our children. We're going to, have, we're going to get married, and then that's going to be another whole world of problems and, uh, and blessing if you get it right. But, you know, it's, it's just all these things. You're going to buy a house. You think it's going to be a great blessing. I'll buy a house, and you find out that really what you did was that you don't own a house. The house owns you. And, you know, all, everything in life that... That we think is just going to be so easy, but God is saying, hey, listen, we have to, in the midst of all of the challenges that we face in this life, accept that God's Word is true above all other things. And we live in a world that is preaching a very different gospel from the one that our Bible is preaching. We live in a world where it is constantly coming at us the way that the world wants us to think and what what it's saying is truth, but we have to accept that the Word of God is truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In, in John 17, 17, he said these words praying. He said, Father, I pray that you would sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, when you think about sanctify or the, or the, the word sanctification, what it means, a lot of people would say that's a great word. I have no idea what it means. What it means is the unpacking of salvation. When you meet Jesus, you are saved in that moment. But throughout your life, you're going to experience something called sanctification, where we are going to take hold of what Jesus did for the cross. And in our lives, it is going to have more and more influence in our lives as we unpack all that God has, and we bring it into our lives. That's called sanctification. It is literally about the changing of my thinking, the changing of my heart, the changing of my lifestyle, the changing of my culture, as I become more and more like Jesus to represent Him in this world. And as God's truth is revealed, so my life is transformed, and I am being sanctified by the power of His Word. But I have to accept what God says about life as being truth, or the power of it is lost for my life. And we live in a world where opinion is celebrated above truth. I mean, people's opinion is so important now. I mean, I found in life 
that everybody's got an opinion and everybody's got feet. Most of them smell, you know, opinions and feet. A lot of them stink, you know. But here's the truth is in life is that opinion is so celebrated. And if you disagree with someone's opinion, that's probably the most offensive thing you can do in 2019. But we live, we serve a God who teaches us very clearly that, that truth is not relative to any person. Truth is centered on the person of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we must accept that what He says is truth. When we come to Jesus, we are living under His Lordship. As a believer in Jesus, I have to accept that what He says is correct. When you see Jesus being crucified, you see Pilate, Pilate who represents to us an Antichrist spirit. And he says in in John chapter 18 and verse 38, Pilate says, what is truth? What is truth? Then he goes out and he says to the Jews, I find no basis for a charge against them. And then the Jews begin to shout, crucify, crucify him, crucify him. And so Pilate crucifies him. Even though he says, I don't know what the truth is, and I can find no real reason why we should crucify this guy. But everybody's opinion is saying, well, that's the right thing to do, so I'll do it anyway. It's a, it's a spirit that we see represented in our world all over the place, in Aotearoa, everywhere you go. I don't really know what the truth is, but this is what everybody says. Oh, I read it on Facebook. Must be true. And, and so then we're going to follow that opinion, and we're not going to come to the Word of God and understand what God has saying. Listen, a spirit that rejects truth and, em- and embraces opinion is not the Spirit of God. God is calling us to accept what He He says about life as being true and then live our lives out from that truth as we go into the world that we are. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to rob, kill and destroy. But Jesus speaking says, I have come that you may have life and have it in all of its fullness. Jesus doesn't just want to save you from going to hell. He wants to save you from anything that will rob you from life and vitality and everything that he came to give you. But here's the challenge is that at any level of our lives where we are not believing God's word for our situation and our our family and what we are working through, then by definition, we are living in a place where we are not free by the power of the word of God. And God came to bring us freedom in our lives. But whenever we believe the lie of the devil, we are by definition not living in freedom in that area of our lives. We are believing a lie and freedom comes when we accept God's word as being truth. John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free in your life. I want to encourage you in this room and I can, I can feel as I'm preaching, there are people in this room and there are things that you have believed as being true and they are not true. They are cultural norms that you've grown up in. They are, they are ways of thinking that we have in Aotearoa, which are not lining up with the Word of God. And God is speaking to people in this room today, and He's saying it's time to dismantle your thinking. Let go of your ego. Let go of your pride. Let go of those things that hold you down. It's time to let go of that insecurity. Time to let go of that small thinking and grab hold of the bigness of our God. Take some steps of faith according to what He's called you to. Don't worry about what will happen on the other side of your obedience because God will always meet you on the other side of the obedience. Are you with me this morning? All right. I'm preaching better than you responding, but that's all right. You'll get with me. Point number two, what I want you to do is to fill your mind with the Word of God. If we're going to believe the Word of God, we better know what it says. And we've got to fill our minds with it. The Bible talks about washing by the water of the Word. We need to wash our minds and get all the junk of our world out. 
get the truth of God in it. If Jesus is the Lord of our lives and the Lord of our minds, then we need to fill our minds with Him. If we are representatives of His kingdom, we need to have a lot of that kingdom culture coming in because we're living in a different culture and it's going in a totally different direction to where God wants us to go. So we've got to get the Word of God and fill our minds with it all the time. Um, those of you who have a smartphone, which is hopefully all of you, um, uh, I don't know if you've still got your Blackberries up here or not, or Nokia's or something, you know. Some of you may even have a Samsung. We'll pray for you afterwards. We're going to have a special altar call. <laughs> clearly from the devil because they just started bursting into flames a few years ago. I mean, that was, that was a sign. But um, there's a great app which, um, which we, we use and called Bible Memory. Just, just literally Bible Memory app. You get on the Apple App Store. I'm, I don't know what other things you get, but, you know, um, it's just this great app. And it's just going to help you to memorize Scripture. You go on there and you just, and you just memorize the scriptures. Why would you memorize? We used to talk about memorizing scripture all the time. And people, you'd be going up and just challenging people. I can remember when I first got saved, these little cue cards that we got given, and you had to memorize all of these things. You remember those things? The navigators, I think they were called. You had to memorize it. I don't hear it talked about a lot more in church anymore. But here's the thing I want you to know is that when you memorize scripture, it gets the word in your head. And it starts, you start quoting those scriptures, and you can go through and tell it all, and then bam, you know, we, my eldest daughter, I got onto this, she memorized over one summer, 2,000 verses. I was like, that's impressive. Wish I still had a brain that worked like that, you know. You get older, and the gray matter's harder to get in, but you just got to get it in, and get it in, and get it in, because if we're going to transform our thinking, we're going to change the way that we live our lives. So I encourage you, man, memorize some scripture, get things, and just start working through it. There's great plans in there. I love the U version of the Bible, all the plans in there, and we do it together with groups of people, and you're putting all your thoughts back and, and sort of creating a community around that, create social networking as well for people as we grow together in a group of people. So powerful in our world, man. Man, you know what? We don't need to go another time and check out what the world is saying. You can go on all your social media that you like. It's probably never going to help your life. I'm telling you right now. I go on Facebook sometimes. It just, you know, it doesn't make me feel faith-filled and I want to do something for God, you know. Go on Instagram. All I want to do is throw the phone on the ground. But here's the thing. Uh, if we can grab hold of the Word of God, it will change our lives, you know. You got YouTube. You got Twitter. You got Facebook. We can put them all together and just call it you twit face, you know. It's going to help everybody. But here's the thing is that we need the Word of God. It's going to transform our lives. It's the Word of God that's going to fill us with living power. It's the Word of God that's going to cause us to be transformed into the image of Christ. And John chapter 1 is very clear. Jesus is the Word of God. And when we begin to fill our minds with Scripture, we are filling it with Him. The Word of God is full of living power. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts deep even to the point of dividing our soul and our spirit, our joints and our marrow. Catches. It discerns the thoughts and the intent of the heart. So when we begin to read the Word, it's going to get deep into our heart's level thinking and begin to change the way that we think. And it's going to help us to see how we're responding out of this situation and not out of the fact of what God has said. We're responding from fear and not from faith. We're responding from insecurity and not from a place of wholeness as a child of God. It's going to begin to transform the way that we see the world and the way that we see ourselves. And it's going to lift God up higher in the midst of our situation and we're going to experience His life transforming power coming in the middle of what we are doing is going to change the way that we live our lives. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, this is a scripture that my mom quoted to me so many times as a kid, just over and over again. Actually, Dave and I were laughing before the service because we were talking something about family, and I said, well, I don't know any about that gear because I grew up in the Flanders family. Anybody remember the Simpsons, you know? In the Flanders family, driving out. I said to Dave, so did you. We both grew up in the Flanders family. You're driving to church, singing, God said to Noah to build me an archiarchy, you know? Uh, you know? It's just crazy. Oh, I'm a Christian. Jesus is a Christian. We're all Christians too. You know, like that was the world I grew up in. And my mom would just always quote this scripture at me all the time. Whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is lively, whatever is honorable, whatever thing, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things. Think about these things. But it's so easy for our minds to go in other directions and think about how that person didn't thank me and this job didn't quite come off and I didn't make as much money and that person walked straight past me in the church foyer and they didn't even say hello. Uh, you know, and, and that idiot in front of me in the traffic is an idiot. And you just get madder and madder. And God is saying, listen, stop allowing all of these things to take hold of your thinking because that's not going to help you and it's not going to cause you to do great things for God. But you get a hold of the Word of God, fill your mind with that, and faith will rise and you'll take steps that will change the world in Jesus' name. Think about these things. In any area of your life where you're facing conflict, any area of your life where you are struggling with a sin issue, where your guilt is overcoming you, where you feel ashamed, when you have any area of your life where you say, man, I'd love to grow in that thing. If there's something in your life that you feel God is calling you into, get hold of the Bible, find a scripture that comes alongside that and speaks to you, memorize that scripture and start to confess it over your life. And you watch God turn up in the middle of that and change everything about your situation because there's power in the Word of God. And we've got to fill our minds with the Word of God. Fill our minds with the Word of God. James chapter 1 and verse 21 just simply says, Humbly accept the Word that God has planted in your hearts. For it, that Word, has the power to save your soul. It's powerful. And point number three is the band can come and join me on stage. Is I want you to do this is to fill your mind with the call of God. Fill your mind with the call of God. I. Oh, you know, we read it earlier in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15, speaking about those great heroes of faith. If they had wanted to go back to where they'd come from, they would have had that opportunity, but they were longing for what God had called them to, a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be their God. He has prepared something for them. In, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2, speaking about Jesus, the Bible says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus saw beyond what He was walking through because He knew the call of God that was on His life. He was able to go through it. The heroes of faith were able to go through some dark moments in their lives, but they were looking forward to the country that God had called them to, so they were able to go through those things to receive what God had for them in their lives. But you want to contrast that, as we did earlier, with the nation of Israel as they came up out of Egypt. And it's never ceased to amaze me how they were in Egypt crying out to God, come and save us, come and save us. It's horrible. My life sucks. You've got to save me, God. And God turns up in the form of Moses. So great deliverer brings them up out of, the, out of Egypt and into the desert. And the minute they get in the desert, what they start saying? It was better in Egypt. Let's go back. I don't like it out here. Let's go back to what we had before. Do you know what? Egypt wasn't good. They hated it. Do you know what they wanted to go back to? It wasn't they wanted to go back to what they had. They wanted to go back to what was familiar. Because what's more familiar 
is what you try to go towards. And that's where the Word of God is so powerful. Because when you fill your mind with the Word of God and you fill your heart with that call of God, what becomes familiar to you stops being what you've had already, but something of the eternal grabs hold of you. The Bible says that God has set eternity in the heart of every person. Ecclesiastes 3, and, and we begin to see what God has. And it begins to become more familiar to us what God has in the future than what we've experienced in our natural lives up until now. And we're taking steps towards the thing that is familiar in our hearts because it's no longer thinking about what we had, but we're longing for what God's called us to. And so if our minds can be filled with this call of God and you spend time meditating on His Word and on His promises and on His call, it begins to be more familiar with your heart than the things you've even lived through in your life. And suddenly your expectation begins to live. Faith begins to live. Hope begins to live in your heart. We're believing for a greater tomorrow, but we're believing for it not just with a hope-filled belief, but a faith-filled knowledge that what I have, I've got a substance of it in me and it feels familiar to me. When we step into the call of God and we begin to see things, many times I've stood on stages, many times I've been in environments and I've realized I've been here before. And then I'm like, no, I haven't. I've never been here before. And then I realized I was in a prayer time and I saw a vision. I realized I was in an altar call and I saw something in my spirit. And, and now I'm back where God had showed me way back there. But I'd filled my heart with the call of God. I want to encourage you, fill your heart with the call of God. Don't allow it just to be about something else. And oh, one day that pipe dream might happen. No, fill your life with it. Allow faith to grab hold of who you are. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the Bible says. Look at what He was able to do because He wasn't looking at what was familiar or what was comfortable around Him, but on what God had called Him to. And so that became the greatest desire of His heart and of His life. And He was able to go through whatever He had to go through up to and including the cross to get to the other side and receive the blessing that God had promised to us. Listen, this world is going to preach to you all day about the kingdom of comfort. The greatest thing that can happen is if you have a nice house, a nice car, 2.7 kids, and, and you, you know your wife is looking good. That's the most important thing in life. That's what the, the world's going to teach you. But the Bible is not going to teach that, not in any way, shape, or form. It is going to teach you, my friend, to go after what God has for you. And the Bible is going to talk to us about being prepared to put ourselves on the cross because it is only through the cross that we are released into all that God has for our lives. But we can't think out in our lives thinking about this culture and what this world is offering. We've got to fill our lives with the call of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God, and go after what He has for us in our lives. In Jesus' name, are you with me today? Come on, why don't you stand your feet all over this room? All over this room, stand to your feet. The Bible says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive, for God is prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. Deep calls unto deep. He's calling to you this morning. He's calling to you and He's saying, Come on, it's time to change your thinking. Time to break off the inhibition. Time to step out of that insecurity. Don't allow fear any longer to shape what you would do with your life. But allow it to be called from faith and the purpose and the call of God that's on your life this morning in Jesus' name. Who taught you to think? I wonder who taught you to think. Are you thinking the way that Jesus wants us to think? 
God wants to teach us a new way to think. We need to accept His Word as being truth. We need to fill our mind with His Word and we need to fill our hearts with that call and allow everything of our lives to be about representing God in this world. We are His ambassadors, Christ's ambassadors. All over this room, there are people here and you're saying, hey, that's me, I need to change my thinking. I need God to do a work in my heart. Come on, if that's you, would you just lift up your hands to heaven all over this room? Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. So many hands, so many hearts. I thank you right now, Holy Spirit, by your power, sweep over this room. Sweep over this room. I thank you right now. Lord, I pray you'd heal insecurities. Father, you'd bring hope into hearts. Lord, a faith to believe in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for commitments today to start new Bible memorization programs for people who are going to commit today to reading your word each day. Lord, those who have spent time in your presence just reflecting and receiving a fresh call of God on our lives, a new unction to function in the plan and the purpose that you have for our lives in Jesus' name. I'm praying right now, Holy Spirit, fill this room, fill every life. And come on, we're going to worship together. And those who have your hands lifted, allow the Holy Spirit just to sweep across your life today. In Jesus' name, allow His presence to come. Allow pictures to form in your mind. God's calling you, speaking in your spirit. Come on, it's a new day. He's calling you to fresh steps of faith in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship Him in this place today. singing highest praises. feeling there's quite a few that are here this morning and you do not have your own relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never made a decision to ask Him to come into your life. And I'm talking this morning about how God wants us to change our thinking, to represent Jesus in this world. And for you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've heard about religious things. You thought you're coming to church and you kind of don't know really what's going on. You need to know something this morning. You were created by loving God. And you were created on purpose and for a purpose. God loves you and He made you for a reason. And He wants you to fulfill that purpose for your life. No person will ever know true satisfaction and overflowing sense that I have done what I was created to do unless they have a relationship with Jesus and they're pursuing the call of God for their life. And all over this room, there are people here you're saying, I don't know Jesus, I've never asked Him to come into my life. Friends, sin separates us from God and everybody's sin, everybody does the wrong thing. But God is greater than our sin. And God's love so motivated Him that He sent Jesus to die on a cross 
to take the punishment that was ours for our sin. Rightfully, we should have had to pay that price. But Jesus said, I will pay it so that you can receive forgiveness in your life, so that I can receive forgiveness on mine. On the cross, Jesus overcame the power of sin and purchased forgiveness for every single person who would receive Him as their Lord and Saviour. And so in a moment, the people here and you're saying, today I'm away from Jesus. I've never made a decision to make Him my Lord, to make Him my Saviour. In a moment, I'm going to get everybody in this building to bow their head and close their eyes. And those who are here saying, that's me, I'm going to ask you just to lift up your hand. In a moment, I'm going to count to three before I do that. And I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and say yes to Jesus. There are others here and you used to follow Jesus, but for whatever reason, you've walked away from God. And you might have even been coming to church, but you know that your heart has become distant from God. And this morning, you're saying, you know what? I need to reconnect with God. I need a fresh uh, uh, salvation experience here today. I've been backsliding away, but I'm coming back to Jesus this morning. If that's you on the count of three moment, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand as well. And there are others here, and maybe all you've ever known is a religious environment, but you've never made your own personal decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You might have been around church all your life. Does that make you a Christian if you go to church every week? Well, no more than going to McDonald's to make you a hamburger or standing around your garage going to make you a car. If you want to be a Christian, you need to make a decision and say, I want you, Jesus, in my life. And there's others here you're saying, hey, I'm just not sure. In a moment, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I want those people saying, I need Jesus in my life for whatever reason. To lift up your hand. At that moment, lift up your hand. When I see your hand, I'll thank you. You'll be able to put it down. We're going to pray a prayer in just one moment. But if that's you, my friend, wherever you are, do not leave this building today. Don't leave this church without knowing that you know that you know that Jesus is your Lord and heaven is your home. Your sin has been forgiven and you have been set free in Jesus' mighty name. So all over the room, would every person please bow your head, close your eyes. If no one would be moving, nobody talking, Nobody looking, nobody distracting any other person. But in this holy moment, I want you to look inside of your own heart, your own life. Ask yourself this question. Do I have my own relationship with Jesus Christ? If your answer to that is not a clear and confident yes, I'd love to pray with you. In a moment, I'm going to count to three. If you've never made a decision to make Jesus your Lord, I want you to lift up your hand on the count of three. If you have in the past, but you know you've walked away from Him, could be years, could be months, could be days, but you know you've walked away from Him. Wherever you are, I want you to lift up your hand and say yes to Jesus. If you're saying, man, I just don't know where I stand before God. I'm just not sure. I'm not confident. Lift up your hand and know that you know before you leave this church that Jesus is your Lord and heaven is your home. Come on all over this room on the count of three. If that's you, you're saying, I need Jesus in my life. When I get to three, I want you to lift your hand. Lift it nice and high. One, two, three. Lift it right now. So that's me. Fantastic. Hands are going up all over the auditorium. All over the auditorium. Keep it up. Keep it up. My goodness, there are so many people with their hands up right now. Come on, if you need to respond as well, lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. Anybody else? You're saying, that's me. Must be 20, 25 people with their hands up right now. Just responding to Jesus. Praise God for every single one of you. More just responding right now. If that's you, you said, I need Jesus. Come on. Join all the other people who have already responded. Say yes to Jesus. Lift up that hand. Lift it up right now in Jesus' name. Wonderful Jesus. Fantastic. Well, come on. We're going to pray a prayer together. Every person who's lifted your hand, you can put that down now. We're going to pray a prayer. And I want you to pray this from the bottom of your heart. As you pray this morning, from the bottom of your heart, use these words 
in your mouth to connect with God this morning. Everybody else in the church, if you didn't lift your hand because you're a Christian, you got to pray this loud. You're the prayer team right now. So pray this together with me. Pray, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I'll live for you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. I choose to turn my life around and I choose to follow you, Jesus. I thank you today that I am forgiven and I am born again right here, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Why don't we give a massive hand for every person who's responded this morning. Thank you so much. Pastor David, I'll hand it back. Thank you so much. made a decision for the first time this morning we'd love to be able to pray for you and this is Brett, come up, up over here Brett Brett's just going to stand over here and if you made a decision for Jesus for the first time this morning, why don't you come to see Brett he'll be going to be standing just over on your right hand side and he'd love to pray with you, we'll have a team that will just, just connect with you that'll be fantastic, thanks Brett really want to just challenge you with what, uh, what Pastor Brent has, has spoken, I've, I personally felt the Holy Spirit challenge me afresh um, especially in the area of um, about mindful of the things of God versus mindful of the things of men. And um, Peter had a great revelation of who Jesus Christ was. But then shortly after that, he, he had an opinion about what, Jesus, what he thought Jesus was about. And Jesus rebuked him and he said, Peter, he said, get behind me, Satan, because you are not mindful of the things of God, but you are mindful of the things of men. And I want to encourage you, uh, we do live in a world that is full of opinions. And those opinions most often clash with the, with the thinking of God. For me personally, I felt my own heart challenged afresh about what God has spoken over me, what God has spoken over the church, and then my subconscious reaction to uh, often to what God speaks to me. And I remember, um, I remember when Arise Church first started, and there were people. That, I remember the prophetic words that that were spoken over. Uh, people like John, Pastor John, that you would build a church of 10,000 in that city. And I remember some people uh, mocking that. But because he kept his, 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 his mind on the things of God, the promises of God, they you have, you have basically done that. Right now, I believe that Rise Church is, is about, would be about 10,000 across the whole. About 12,000 across New Zealand now. No one had built... When Pastor John went to went to Wellington, nobody had built a church really above what a thousand people. It just wasn't in the mentality. And now there'd be more than double that, I'd say, on a regular basis. Got two campuses there. Sorry, two campuses, and far exceeded that. Simply because I believe that he he held on to the of God. There's a breakthrough spirit that is around uh, Pastor John, around Brent and around Arise Church. And it's just a great honour to have them here. If it's grated you in some way, that's fantastic. <laughs> because it's, it's, it, there's a spirit of breakthrough that I believe it helps. It, it comes into us and it, and, it, and it breaks off things. It challenges our thinking. It challenges our attitudes. And I want to encourage you this. With this just final final scripture. The Bible says in, in Psalm 119 verse 165, blessed are those that love your word. Two things, great peace shall they have and nothing shall offend them. Great peace 
and nothing shall offend them. My question is this, if you're struggling with, <laughs> if there's something that's grating you inside of your heart, then it's probably, I challenge you to maybe consider lining your thoughts up against what the, what, what the Word of God says, because the, the Scripture is really clear. Blessed are those that love your word. In other words, you wrap your word, you wrap your imagination, you wrap your heart around the promises of God, around the word of God, the written word of God. It'll bring peace into your heart and you won't, you won't, you won't get offended. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, I thank you for your promises that you have spoken over our lives and over us as a church. Father, I thank you for the churches that will be planted from this place. Father, we thank you for them right now. Father, we wrap our hearts, we wrap our beliefs. Father, we wrap our actions around your promises over our lives today in Jesus' name. And we give you all the honour and all the glory. And all God's people said, come on, all God's people said. Come on, one more time. All God's people said. Fantastic. Come on one more time. Let's worship him. Then we'll close.